0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Welcome back to the Cover Three Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast.
2: And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Danny Cannell, I'm Chip Patterson. Coming to you live at youtube.com slash cover3 and all across the 24-7 Sports Facebook network. Thanks for hanging out. Smash that subscribe, smash the like, and come and join us in the chat already buzzing. It's a Thursday. We're going to be opening up the big old bag of mail, and we're going to be taking some live audience mailbag questions. Uh, One live audience mailbag question that was presented to us as we've been going through draft season. We had the quarterback draft, the pass catchers draft. We had the Oklahoma drill draft, the coach draft. He said, "Hey, what, what about... What about the secondary? What about the DBs out there? And so, as part of this mailbag episode, we are going to answer that question with, yes, the defensive back draft. We have not done it before. We will be drafting three cornerbacks. We'll be drafting two safeties. uh, And it will be Tom, Danny, Chip, and then uh, Bud and Jordan, Team BJ riding again uh, for the 2023 DB draft. But we begin with the news that uh, we teased a little bit on Wednesday on Wednesday night, we got the release of the SEC slate. Danny, what were the big takeaways from uh, what, once we finally got to see, um, I mean, other than Oklahoma getting absolutely hosed, right. And now <laughs> yes. it is just like Oklahoma, they're regretting everything. I made a big mistake. All of the memes like this is, this is definitely, you want to go back to the big 12, right?
3: Yeah, no doubt. Uh, they're definitely going to have an uphill battle, and uh, you're going to hear about it all the time, too, how they got screwed over Texas. Uh, they definitely did get the harder road, for sure. I think the thing is, like, you start looking at some of these matchups, and it's, all right, the biggest winner is the fans. Like, this is why the deal was made. This is why Greg Sankey had the foresight, Say, this is the direction college football is going. You got marquee matchups. We had talked a little bit about Georgia Bama facing each other um, you could see a similar type situation where you get them three times similar to what could happen with Ohio state, Michigan, you know, end of season, at least this one will be spread out a little bit. Um, so yeah, I mean, I thought it was just the general overall excitement about the matchups, you know, given Bama and Georgia, both pretty tough slates LSU, uh, a little bit of an easier slate of those, you know, there's opportunity in there for some of these teams to make inroads, which If you were trying to follow an NFL mindset, which it's really hard to do without a draft and free agents in in a salary cap, it's schedule tougher. I mean, they do that. They give the NFL teams that are coming off Super Bowl and better seasons a tough record. And it sure looks like they've tried to do that at least early on with uh, what they've given Georgia and Bama to try to make it harder on them. And it allows some of the teams that are in that second tier to bump up to the first. Yeah, I mean,
1: it's like I I agree. If you look at Oklahoma's schedule for 2024, it is rough, it's much rougher than what they were facing in the Big 12, generally, even when they're you know doing the round robin. But like, that's just kind of the way it's going to work now in these 16 team leagues, where you've got it, you're going from leagues where you might have two to three very good teams to now you're having two big leagues that are going to have four. Five legit playoff contenders in them every single season, and you're not, now that you've gotten rid of divisions, whether it's the East is the most powerful or the West is the most powerful, you don't get to avoid the other one anymore because you're playing everybody. The divisions are gone, so it's just kind of the new reality for this when you look at these 16-team leagues and there's no divisions, you're playing everybody. Every year, you're going to have a tough schedule. Maybe you don't have to play Georgia this year, but you're going to have to play Alabama and LSU. Maybe you don't have to play Alabama, but you're going to have to play Georgia and so on. And it's the same thing, too. Like when we saw, I talked about this before the show, when the Big Ten schedule came out last week and they've got the nine games, and I do think the SEC will be going to nine games by 2025. But when you play that kind of schedule... Like everybody in the Big Ten, when they saw their schedules for 2024, 2025, every single fan base was like, oh, my God, this schedule is so hard. It's so much harder. Yeah, that is the point. Everybody's schedule is hard now. If you're a good team, you're going to have a hard time. If you're a bad team, you're going to have a hard time. That's kind of the purpose. And it creates great television matchups, which is really what every, is driving everything now to begin with. So it's an interesting schedule. It's it's weird because there's uh, – there is that kind of hypocrisy in that just as a traditionalist, I've never really been a big fan of the realignment. Like, I'm not a big fan of Texas and Oklahoma joining the SEC. It's just it's weird to me. But then you see the matchups that you're going to get. and It's like, oh, OK, yeah, no, I'll watch that game for sure. Yeah, uh-huh, thank you for doing this for me. So, yeah, it's it's going to be fun. It's going to be tough. And with the expansion to the 12-team playoff, kind of like what you're saying, Danny, they're not you don't have to be as afraid to schedule Georgia and Alabama in the regular season because no matter what, they're probably still going to both make the playoff no matter what happens in that game. So you can afford to take those chances, whereas you definitely get the feeling when they were doing what they had been doing with the 12-14 team leagues when they were both in separate divisions, they were kind of intentionally keeping those two away from each other so that way they could maybe get to the title game undefeated, the winner wins the league, and the loser still gets to the playoff.
2: Yeah, the uh, Oklahoma schedule, for those who who might not have gotten a chance to see it, they get Alabama, South Carolina, Tennessee at home. That is right. Those are only three because of the rotation with Texas, where it's a neutral site. Sometimes it's going to count as a home game for you, this being one of those years. Your road games are Auburn, LSU, Ole Miss, and Missouri. For my money, that is Oklahoma drawing the top four or four of the top five programs from the SEC West, which has been the tougher side of the division. You don't have a Mississippi state. You don't have an Arkansas on the East side. You don't have a Vanderbilt. You do have a Missouri, but that is a, that is a very, very tough draw for the Sooners and a, a cold shower. Welcome uh, to the SEC. Something that Tom, you, you just touched on right there. And Danny as well. I saw that, you know, David Ubbin at the athletic, he's a big fan of the show. Um, he wrote a column in reaction to the schedule release that is you know discusses kind of what you're talking about where you are not a fan of realignment But then you see the schedule and you're like, oh, boy, I can't wait for that. You know, you're kicking and screaming as college football is changing and like it's just run by TV. This is the worst. And now I'm like, I cannot wait to sit at home and watch these games on TV. Like this is going to be incredible entertainment. This is going to be a competition at the highest level in college football. And like all of the weird, you know, Greg Sankey Premier League kind of talk is like, I don't I don't know. Kind of seems like you've got a Premier League right here. This is super um, fascinating to actually get a chance to see what the schedules are going to look like because it is going to be. And, man, they've, they've beat us over the head and brainwashed us into talking about the SEC as a meat grinder. But that's a meat grinder, man. Those yeah. schedules are tough.
3: And- um, can we just, like, I, I want to make sure we don't fall into the trap, which everybody's going to do which is all these schedules are so brutal, which they are because of historical brands of those no, helmets. They you are know, like- because
2: there's no floor. Like the there isn't that low floor in most mm-hmm. conferences. You can look at as many as four teams and be like, that's a week off. That is a week where we at least can feel as though, you know, if you show up with your B minus game, you're still going to go and win. And I, I truly believe that that is like the real strength of where the SEC is right now. It might not have always been that way. Sometimes they are propped up by tradition and brands and things like that. But right now, probably because of investment, you know, and it's all a big circle there. I just don't think there's that many times where you can catch your breath.
1: Yeah, but to Danny's point, too, I think what you're getting at is, well, like right now, <laughs> we look at Texas and Oklahoma as like ooh big teams, you know, like Tennessee, big game. These th- once this all starts, some of the teams that we look at as the big teams are gonna be going seven and five, and it's gonna be like, well, there's and we will still, or at least SEC fans will still pretend that that seven and five team is really a, an eleven win team in any other league.
3: <laughs> well, like Oklahoma, you know, they're saying, oh, this thing is such a gauntlet, like. It is. You got Bama, which is probably the one that you have to look at and you say, yep, no doubt, tough one. Every other team on there, like Tennessee's coming off a great year, but three years ago, it's like, eh, we can win that game. Like you start chalking up W's two years ago to a lot of these programs that Oklahoma's going to face. And like, how do you classify Auburn? Like, yeah, it sounds, woo, Auburn, national, like, is it? You know, Ole Miss, another one who you know uh, limped into the final you know uh, finish of this season. Is that a tough one? It might be. Maybe who is awesome, but maybe also they're struggling to figure things out and they're four and eight at the end of the season. Like I just think there's that's the thing I want to push back against—just automatically assuming oh this is an SEC team, it's going to be the toughest out ever. There'll be some games that will be easier and comparable to other conferences. And I do think you start looking at some of the walkover games too. Now I think that's probably what has changed the most and with the investment that's come to a program like Vanderbilt um and Kentucky the way they've raised their level where you're not walking in as four touchdown favorites anymore to many of those. Right. You still be 10 points. You'll still well, be 10 points.
2: And like just to put my, you know, my bud hat on and my bud pants for a little bit. I mean it's it's a talent acquisition thing. The fact that we're looking at all these programs and they are pulling in rosters that Like they may be seven and five, but they really might take that same roster into another conference and improve by two wins because they do have uh, a level of talent thanks to recruiting in the transfer portal. Like recruiting, obviously on the side, like Texas, Oklahoma recruiting at a high level right now. Ole Miss is more portal based, but they are bringing in really good additions through the transfer portal to be able to beef up that roster with the portal king that is Lane Kiffin. So that's that's my sense is that even a Missouri which is in the bottom half of the conference, undoubtedly, um, they're recruiting at like a top 25, top 30 level. And that's next. That's near the bottom of the SEC. But then in the national perspective, it's still going to be more talent than uh, some of the other programs around the country.
1: I do wonder how much that might change though. Like, like for-
2: if you start losing, how, how long can you get people to come play for you? Mm-hmm. <laughs>
3: yeah. Like I, well, I that's the era of NIL where it helps them mm-hmm. losing. They'll be able to come there because they have deeper pockets. And yes, they're still getting stipends, too. Like, they still get the most money as well.
1: Yeah, because I think that's going to be the thing that we see with, like, the Big Ten and the SEC in this new era is with NIL, with the amount of money that they will be getting compared to other conferences. Like, I just, like you were saying with Mizzou, I don't know if a top 30 recruiting class, if you're an SEC or a Big Ten team, is going to mean a damn thing for you. It's probably going to mean you're going four and eight.
2: <laughs> it's exciting, though, right? I mean, Danny, oh, the yeah. is good. Okay, all right, good, good. Definitely. Just, all right, just, just making sure you're not coming full blaze. Like, no, you know, no, you know, no, no, DGA no. D.K. on fire. Not impressed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, but yes, uh, over at CBSports.com, we've got a full breakdown of everyone's schedule. Barrett Salee uh, chimed in with some of the biggest takeaways as well. So go and check that out if you haven't gotten a chance to see what the 2024 slate is going to look like for the 16-team SEC. Coming up on the other side, The listeners asked, we're going to deliver here on a Thursday, the first ever cover three secondary defensive back
0: draft next. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDSE.
1: Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it.
2: the iconic producer, Jordan, who is representing Team BJ here in the draft. Uh, I've been using a, a random number generator to create the draft order for all of these drafts. You know, one through four lined up with our, um, you know, our, our names in alphabetical order. And Gummet, we finally got a four. Tom getting the first overall pick. The four came first. So Tom is going to be in the one spot, Danny in the two, Chip in the three, and Bud, Jordan, Team BJ in the four. We are doing three cornerbacks two safeties five rounds here tom why don't you get things started
1: i did not want the first pick in this draft so thank you for that um there are some names like I will First off, I will start by saying of all the positions on the field, this is probably the one I am the weakest at when it comes to evaluating them. I never played any of these positions. You can't really see any of these positions when you're watching on TV, so it's kind of hard for me to actually know what the hell I'm talking about. But there are some guys that I think when you look at mock drafts and these lists for best guys, blah, 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 that I, I like them, but I don't know if they would go in the mock drafts or in the actual draft where these mocks have them, and I feel like there's pressure to take these guys with the number one pick. I'm not going to do it. You know, I'm wearing this hat for a reason, folks. I've got the first pick, and with that pick, I am taking the best cornerback in the country. You haven't seen him yet for the most part, but you'll see a lot of him this year. Give me Travis Hunter, Colorado corner. (laughs) wow. You get the applause.
2: Well, because it's the first ever – player to be drafted in two different cover three drafts.
1: Mm-hmm. He's yeah. a cover three draft Hall of Famer already.
3: Already. <laughs> yeah, he was drafted in the pass catcher's draft, and now he's drafted here in the DB draft. Why isn't he showing up on some of the draft? Because I had him on my list, but he was not on the 2024 NFL draft. is any he draft eligible? No. Is he eligible? No, I think he's got to play in state Oh, I thought year. he went two yeah. years yeah. to Jackson State.
4: Mm-mm.
3: He's just a sophomore. Oh, last year was his first year. Got you. That explains it because I had him up there as well. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if the production's there, because I don't think Colorado's going to be very good. So what type of year does he have? Does he get much attention? I like the pick, um, but I'm also thrilled that you left this guy on the board for me. Because <laughs> And thank you for not giving me a corner slot, either the first or fourth pick, because I hate going back-to-back. Back. I like <laughs> a little time to breathe. I like to be able to survey the landscape. But I'm going to go ahead and take the best defensive back available, Uh, On the board, with experience, give me Kool-Aid McKinstry. Mm -hmm. I also – I was looking at some of the trends of what I like or what I think is hard to throw against, and uh, I've always been a fan of guys that are uh, taller, lankier, 6'1", 188. I think he's the best cover guy in this uh, class of all the defensive backs. So give me Kool-Aid McKinstry.
2: Um, I will go to – I mean – Kool Aid McKinstry—he's done the full cycle of um, as a recruit. Oh, his name's Kool Aid. (laughs) Then all of a sudden he shows up at Alabama and he's playing as a freshman. You know, like sort of rotating in as that third corner. He's making huge plays. Then all of a sudden he steps up. That now he's one of the top corners and he's you know just lights out, just smothers wide receivers, comes up with big play after big play. And now you're like, okay, he's he's an alpha. He is an alpha Mm -hmm. at the position in the sport. Um, Yeah. That you don't,
1: makes sense to me. You don't go through life calling yourself Kool-Aid if you're scared of anything. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. It's just it's like...
3: <laughs> I mean, there's <laughs> definitely a sauce gardener aspect to him. <laughs> yes. And sauce yeah. has been awesome. <laughs> yes. Right, exactly. Lived
2: up to every bit of it. And I expect that uh, McKinstry will as well. Uh, I've got a couple corners that I would like to be able to get out of these next couple picks. I'm I, I'm really trying to game theory what uh, what Jordan's going to do here. I'm going to start with sort of the high level, and I'm going to go with uh, the, the number five or number six player from the transfer portal in this past cycle. One of the top corners available. We, he will be suiting up for the Seminoles. Give me Fentrell Cypress, the second.
3: Good pick. One
1: of the top yeah, rated ready.
3: transfer portal players, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. One yep. Or two.
1: I like Jordan even puts the second on there. Yeah. We don't want to get confused and think that you took Fentrell Cypress the first.
4: Exactly. <laughs> um, all right. Well, good Team BJ. Brain,
3: or Jordan, by the way, good to see your migraine is gone. Mm-hmm. Yes.
4: Yeah. Flu game is over. Um, you guys get me at 100% now. And Team BJ, we are going to draft an All-American here. We're going to go Kalen Bullock.
1: First safety, safety off the first board.
4: Safety. Yeah. Dang. From USC.
3: I didn't uh, think he'd be available, but there was a small hope.
4: Well, because Pac-12's
2: gotten shunned, (laughs) and like, well, no, they had a a lot. We had obviously quarterbacks. I had a lot of them, and then I think we there were some pass catchers that got in there. But Pac-12
1: first round is Pac-12. Yeah, we love the Pac-12 on this show. Don't let anybody tell you different.
4: And with our back-to-back pick, we're gonna go with Kalen King, quarterback from Penn State.
1: I thought he might sneak back to me in the second round.
4: No way. At the corner... You
1: you guys don't pay attention to Big Ten football. You guys are focused on your ACC and your SEC.
2: Listen, Kalen King is... And there are a lot of names on my board that are um, in this position where you are opposite of a lockdown corner, which means you got a lot of balls thrown your way. And if you were good in that position with that responsibility, you impressed a lot of people. And now that... That other corner is gone. Joey Porter Jr. obviously being the example for Penn State. Now everyone's looking to you. And that's very similar to where I'm going because I spent multiple, I'm, I'm not going to say hours, that's a lie, but I, I spent tens, days, weeks, I spent years tens of minutes <laughs> watching high school basketball highlights of Iowa <laughs> cornerback Cooper Dejean. <DeGene. laughs> this dude is ridiculous four sport athlete out of Odebolt, Iowa. This guy was running track, this guy was playing basketball. He is ridiculous. He was the MVP of their bowl win. Um I just I look at him and you know what he was opposite of Riley Moss, right? So mm-hmm. that was another situation where he got a lot of action because he was playing on the opposite side of one of the best cornerbacks in the entire country. Um I I really like, you know, Another, shocker, Phil Parker's got another stud uh at corner that's ready to step up. I he think plays that, everywhere uh, too. Yeah, I think the athlete that is Cooper DeGene is uh is my
4: guy. It's a great pick.
1: Yeah, like they've they put him on the outside, they put him in the slot. He kind of plays safety sometimes. He just, yeah, he's a little bit of everything. It's a good pick.
3: All right, Danny, back to you. All right. Uh I'm gonna go with a guy that I out had out there as one of my uh, top safeties available. We've seen a lot of dudes off this team. Give me Malachi Starks for the mm-hmm. Georgia Bulldogs, is my top safety choice, who has a true freshman, played a ton, had a massive year. I think it's only going to be better. I think Georgia's defense is going to be once again pretty stacked. SEC Danny. SEC Danny. SEC Danny. Back. All right, now think he's just baiting me to go all <laughs> ACC the next three picks. <laughs> Who
1: okay? Um, I two of my top four corners are still on the board. I wasn't Ooh. planning on going three corners to start, but I just feel like value wise, I kind of have to here. Uh, give me Will Johnson from Michigan mm-hmm. with my second pick at corner, stud freshman. Just that dude is going to be really freaking good. And then gonna move to a to a Michigan rival that they don't play every year, but they play quite often. Give me Ben Morrison from Notre Dame, another stud young corner. Like, I've got between Travis Hunter, Will Johnson, and Ben Morrison, my corners are locked down for the next few years. Good luck passing on my team.
2: Multiple years uh, locked down. Also, Tom has uh, closed out the corners. Yeah. Move, it, move into uh, the back of the defense to, for the rest of it. I, I don't need
1: safeties with these three corners. There's <laughs> nobody getting past these guys. Uh all
3: right Danny back to you. All right, let me go for another corner. I'll go Denzel Burke, Ohio State. Give me some Big 10 love. Mm-hmm. Another 6 190, tall frame, outside, long lanky. You can go against those tall wide receivers. Got got to type. You like I it. do. Yeah, I like, you know, Parcels like to see the big wrists and the big ankles. I like long lanky corners. That are rangey, got long arms, knock those balls down.
1: Especially in college, because like to get the ball over them, you require a very accurate thrower of the football. And there just aren't that many of those guys at the college level.
2: <laughs> yep. A hundred percent. Um, okay. I've got two corners on the board right now. So I think it's time. I've got a i have got I think it's time to go ahead and uh and and snatch up my first safety. Um I'm going to go, this guy led his team in tackles, had more tackles for loss than anybody else in the secondary. (laughs) This, you do not go from being a three-star recruit out of Peachtree, Georgia, and wind up in Salt Lake City unless you've got some nasty to you. Mm. Cole Bishop is not afraid to get down in the box. And I like that tenacity. So give me Cole Bishop from Utah.
3: Thought he might go overlooked. Good pick. Good pick. Good pick.
4: Um okay. Team BJ, we're going back to the SEC. We're gonna take Javon Bullard. Oh okay. From Georgia.
1: Okay. okay, okay, cool, cool. Maybe I should have taken a safety.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Uh, <laughs> And then with the second pick. Let's see.
1: <laughs> There's some funny comments. Funny comments. Let's go,
4: let's, we're gonna go Tyler Newbin.
1: That's a good pick. Wow, look at a Minnesota corner getting drafted. Didn't see wow. that coming from Team BJ.
2: No.
4: Full of surprises.
2: All right. So I think I'm going to go ahead and lock up my other safety because we've got an elite safety. And sometimes I am able to judge how good you are or how important you are to what happens when you are gone. And boy, things fell apart for the Arkansas pass defense when Jalen Catalan was out with an injury. He is no longer in Fayetteville. He is in Austin, where he's expected to be an instant impact contributor for the Longhorns. Give me Jalen Catalan, safety from Texas.
3: Good pick, go pick, go pick. Crossing off a lot of these names. And I had that on as well. All right. I'm sticking with the theme we also we could take some 5 on 5 against all-use uh if <laughs> we want to take the uh take this thing out on the basketball court uh i'm going to go with safety james williams miami 65 mm-hmm. 224 reminds mm-hmm. me of derwin james like a tall rangy covers a lot of ground not afraid to get physical up in the middle but uh i love the frame 65 224 let's go Manny,
2: oh, um, he almost saved Manny Diaz's job. Yeah. When, uh, when Manny Diaz got on the hot seat and he said, forget it, I'm just going to play all the freshmen. It was like Leonard Taylor, another name that we've talked about out here, James Williams. Like all those guys have been out there playing a lot for the Canes. Um, I'm a big James Williams fan as well.
1: All right. So I need to take two safeties here. I will start by taking from... College Station, the Texas A&M Aggies. Give me Damani Richardson. Led the team in tackles last year. He's going to be able to clean up anything that dares to squeeze through my three corners up top. Now, who do I want as my second safety? Do I want to give consideration to, like, fit and what I'm going to have them do?
2: There's a lot of good safeties left. Yeah, I know. I'm staring at three on my
1: board. <sighs> Give me Cam Kinchins, Miami. Two Miami picks. Yeah. I yeah. Was, oh, I'm not going to say who else My I was considering. Until oh, was,
2: we're closed out. All the safeties. Are we done on safeties? safeties? Yeah.
1: Um, my, my other safeties left on my border Michigan's Rod Moore and Clemson's Andrew McCuba.
3: Yeah, I did McCuba as well. All right. I need another corner. Uh, mm-hmm. Give me Josh Newton, TCU. Uh, mm-hmm. I need some volume. I need somebody who plays in a conference where they're going to be throwing at them. Uh, we know their offense is going to put up points, so I think there's opportunity there. And great nugget uh, here. Travis Hodges-Tomlinson won the uh, Jim Thorpe Award last year as the best defensive back in college football. He wasn't even the highest graded corner on his own team. That went to Josh Newton. So give me him on the outside for me.
2: All right, I've got... Um got two corners i've got two safeties got a really difficult decision here
1: i gotta say there is one corner still on the board who i'm very surprised is still on the board
3: it's kamari lasser is it another georgia player i'm not saying well, I mean, it is until the draft's over
2: <laughs> um yeah I think I gotta get. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm just gonna go ahead and go Kamari Lasseter from Georgia, as my as my final corner.
3: That's fine. Yeah. Oh, I think I know.
4: All right, to close out the secondary draft, Team BJ takes Dwight McLaughlin. <laughs> All right, so this is –
2: all right, we'll, we'll review real quick, especially for those listening at home. Tom, in the Cover 3 DB draft, has Travis Hunter, corner out of Colorado. Will Johnson, corner out of Michigan. Ben Morrison, corner out of Notre Dame. Uh, a lot of a lot of youth there, as he mentioned. Damani Richardson, safety out of Texas A&M. Cam Kinchins, safety out of Miami. Danny, from the two spot, has Kool-Aid McKinstry. Uh, Corner from Alabama. Malachi Stark, safety from Georgia. Denzel Burke, corner from Ohio State. James Williams, safety from Miami. Josh Newton, corner from TCU. Uh, From the three spot, I got Fentrell Cypress, corner from Florida State. Cooper DeGene, uh, corner from Iowa. Cole Bishop, safety from Utah. Jalen Catalan, safety from Texas. Kamari Lasseter, cornerback from Georgia. And then Team BJ as Kalen Bullock. Uh, safety out of USC, Kalen King, corner out of Penn State, Javon Bullard, corner out of Georgia, Tyler Newbin, safety out of Minnesota, Dwight McGuthern corner out of Arkansas, and I'll, I'll go, Tom, can I ask, because is it Quinion Mitchell? Nope. Okay, because Quinion Mitchell had four interceptions with two pick sixes in a single game last season.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: He's also very good, but I mean, he's mm-hmm. just... But that led to uh, high high good high statistics and a lot of accolades at the end of the year. um who Who are you thinking of?
1: Uh, it's team played for a team that had a lot of talent. You saw plenty of guys go in the NFL draft, but it was just kind of overlooked because they weren't as good as you're typically seeing them be. Uh, Jason Marshall, the corner at Florida, is a very yeah. good player who, I was surprised did not get taken in this draft. But overall, I mean, there's really not anybody I'm looking at here. It's like, oh, why'd you take that guy? I think, honestly. These are four very solid teams.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh chat let us know uh who you think uh, in, ended up with the best haul here. Sorry, Danny.
3: I was gonna say I was surprised. I thought maybe somebody would snatch up Cormani McClain, Colorado, go for yeah. the uh, you know, the DBU with Dion there being at the head. Uh, they're expecting him to play a lot. I was surprised he didn't go.
2: Andrew Makuba was on uh, was on my list as Same.
1: well. Mm-hmm. Um Davison benison at Ohio State is a good one. I was kind of disappointed, Jordan. After you guys started with Kalen and Caitlin, I was hoping you would keep going with like
3: Kalen's, Jalen's, Dalen's, anybody with <laughs> 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 oh, Sage sure. Ryan L S U on my list. Yeah, yeah. no LSU yeah.
4: here. That was surprising. Uh Rod I had, Moore. I had Greg Brooks on my list from LSU, but just Rod
2: like, Moore from Michigan. Um you know it's it's another one of those you know you st- all of a sudden start to put these together and man the Michigan defense looking uh looking pretty stout once again uh I I, w- I would not have hated a uh, a Rod Moore selection any other ones
1: I mean Tony Grimes talent wise like will he be able nah. to
4: Nah. <laughs> See, I, I was too much of that already <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I, I had about my board. I was not planning to draft him, but just from talent-wise, it was like, oh, man, I don't know if he figures it out.
2: Malachi Moore has played a lot of ball. Mm-hmm. I think I've just come to accept him as good, you know? Mm-hmm. Like it, instead of just being drawn to it like a shiny new object, I'm probably underrating Malachi Moore just because he's been there I've heard Gary Danielson mention Malachi Moore's more, name like a thousand times. So yeah, he he's was just, on the board. Yeah, he's de- definitely quality right there. Um, yeah. All right. So you want to do it again next
3: year? You like the DB sure. drive? Yeah. All right. Sweet. Definitely. We'll do that. Especially if, we, if, if it looks good in here. <laughs> it looks better than my quarterback draft, yeah, I'm all for it.
2: All right, so the, the good news, Danny, is uh is next year when we look back, we're not gonna look back at the 2022 quarterback draft. Right, exactly. You know?
4: Yes.
3: We could
4: but we yeah, won't. Yeah. I mean, that's just right. me. They're just to
3: Hey, they still come back to the Ryan leaf Peyton Manning draft a lot. You know, they use that one. Mm-hmm. So that that's might true. be my might be what people remember me by too. Remember when the
1: Blazers (laughs) took Sam Bowie instead of Michael Jordan? That's
4: another
3: one. (laughs) That was taking
2: Devin Leary. Yes, first round, (laughs) and following it with Tyler Van Dyke. All right. Who are some of the quote good dudes in college football? We'll try to answer that question and others next. Back here on the Cover Three podcast. Uh, thanks again to everybody who is submitting questions live, or going and give us a five star review. And in that review, you put your mailbag question. This one uh, has popped up a lot. You know, Brett has asked it; others have asked it as well. Uh, "Quote: Who are some of the good dudes in college
3: football?"
1: I don't know. Um, They're all <laughs> terrible yeah. human beings.
3: I'll, I'll say this. I'll say this. And I think we all are guilty of this. We talk about these players all the time. We draft them. We evaluate them. We rip some of them. We make jokes about some of them. For the most part, whenever I get the chance to sit down with them or in person or get them on a radio show or get to interview them, they always blow me away, all of them, of how impressive they are once you meet them. Now, I'm going to give you a good dude, and I'm biased, but Jordan Travis is one of the best dudes that's out there. I know he's Florida State guy, but I have got to know him a little bit. Um, he's the real deal, like just he blew a you really off at the team. national championship game. Not a good dude. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, right. That is true. <laughs> we were supposed to try to interview him. We'll get that. Jerk. one. up for that. He's a good dude. The other one, and I think early in the year last year when he was starting to catch some traction, he hopped on was Drake May. Another one, you know, ACC quarterback. Because we are better guys in the ACC uh, because it's more than just football. It just means more academically uh, in the ACC. No, but seriously, Drake May was awesome, like humble, you know, just a good, good kid. I'd see almost like the better conversation is who aren't the good dudes. Like who are the dirt bags of college football? Well,
2: I I was going to say that it's almost like the, uh, the, the, the like trust no one ominous warning, you know, before (laughs) the very, very end where it's like, I don't know. I, I, I tend to think that a lot of college football coaches would, harvest my organs for a national championship. You know, like, I, I just, no matter what I get from a co- coach that may seem like a good dude, I am inclined to have a healthy amount of skepticism. And some of that is from, you know, having my fairy tale crushed, you know, time and time again, story after story where you thought someone was awesome and then you just kind of find out that it isn't that way. And especially in this hyper-competitive world where you consider the the hours, the dedication, the pressure and intensity of, of being in big-time college football, it's almost like you kind of have to be a little bit broken, right? I mean, it's sure. <laughs> very difficult to uh, be at the highest level of this game and and not, not have some wire. I mean, it benefits you, but not have some wires plugged into uh, different sockets. But I would say, uh, I don't know, Tom, do you have any names that you want to shout
3: out here? I went players by the way too. I was thinking players, but you guys coaches are included too. I mean, I'm kind of with you, Chip. Like I I haven't
1: met anybody who I would consider to be an a-hole or anything. Like everybody generally relation like social whatever interactions that I've had with coaches or players have typically all been pretty good. I don't do a radio show, though, where I have a bunch of them his guests, so I can't really say maybe some of these kids are pain in the butt to get on the air. And once they're on, they're just giving you two word answers and you kind of get on that. But uh, like, yeah, like I, I don't know anybody that I consider a bad dude. I think everybody that I've interacted with has typically been nice. But again, I, I don't really know any of these people the way. But the Chip, I will say your, your fear that they would harvest your organs for a national title. I would bet that 90% of coaches would be open and honest about that. If you asked them, you know, as long as you don't have a mic in their face and you said, would you take all my organs? If it meant the national title, they would probably look you in the eye and say, yeah, "Yes, yes, I would. Absolutely. <laughs> Which and I respect.
2: What, yeah, well, and and look, and it can also flip to, cause Danny, to your point, like, I don't think that the average college football fan thinks that, uh, Pat Narduzzi is nice or has any warmth to him but I spent like 2 days Seriously. with that man and he was great <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know like <laughs> real we had great, we had good talk about ball about life you know about like where he where he grew up and he was asking about you know what was going on with me it was a you know it was a good good conversations so it can it can work the other way as well where you might look at somebody on television and be like oh you know they they are a certain way but then behind closed doors, it's, it's an entirely different sort of persona or at least the way it can be interpreted.
1: Yeah. Coaches are no different than players in that when you're on the field, it's you're not, you're, you know, you're different. Like, you know, how many players have you heard? It's like, well, once I stepped on the field, that's a completely different human being than who I was off the field. Coaches aren't really all that different. Like the guy you see on the sideline, probably not who he is when he's just hanging out after the game. You know, so, yeah.
3: Oh, you know, oh go ahead. Oh, I was going to say there's, so coaching perspective, having, you know, worked alongside them, interviewed them, spent time with, I go by the guys who trust me. I kind of like them better, right? They give you more access. They trust you. And if a guy doesn't trust me, I'm like, why? Like what? Like, and and I get, maybe I'm just too, maybe I have too high of an opinion of myself. Like, why can't you trust me? I'm a pretty good guy. But then I'm like, what are you hiding? Like, what, why don't you trust me? Like, what, what's your story? And I think a lot of that is the the relationship with the media. So for good guys, I would put Mack Brown up there. I mean, the guy just knows how to make you feel special. He's probably Mm -hmm. the closest thing to Coach Bowden as far as that one. He'll remember your name. Hey, Chip, how you doing? You know, like, he'll remember. (laughs) You were that Carolina, didn't you? Back with me and Sally. You know, like, the first time around, like, he will make you feel special. And then I would categorize, like, the coaches that you could just hang and have a beer and mm-hmm. chill and relax. And I would put Luke Fickle up there with any of them as he's just in like, he's never like, you can always tell when you do an interview, like, if a coach is guarded and he's like careful what he's saying, or if they're just talking. And I always like the coaches that just talk. Mike Elko was one that was just talking. Like, I like those dudes that are just seem like good dudes you could grab a beer with. Some of the worst. So I don't like throwing guys under the bus, but. But, but I will. And I don't even know I don't even know if he's a bad dude or not, but he was super high strung, very distrusting and very protective was Greg Ciano, And I covered him back the first time around at Rutgers. And super nice to your face. Hey, you know, whatever you guys need, let me know. I was like, "All right, can I go watch film?" And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, whatever you need." And so he's like, "Hey, uh, you know, Jason, the SID's like, you'll, "You'll you'll you'll take care of him, right?" And he gave him this look. So he goes in there And, uh, I go like get into the player's room where they watch film. And usually what I would like to do is it's all set up on a computer and they have cut ups of everything. And you like on my iPad, I can watch coaches film. Everybody can pretty much if you have access to huddle. Uh, but I like to watch practice because if you see their game plan, you get a better feel for when you see a formation, you're like, Oh, I saw that practice. So most coaches would let you go in and have open access to the computer system and you could find it and look at their cut ups. He was the, the SID stayed in there with me the whole time and was like, and I was like, so I started watching a game. I was like, Oh, I was like, do you mind if I watch practice? They're like, no, 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 you're not just the games. I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. The other one. And this guy, I don't feel as bad was Todd Graham. When he was at Pitt, I just felt like the dude was a used car salesman and it started off. We walked into his office and there was a Bible open on the, uh, like the desk, like right on display. Oh, like he wasn't on display. my daily Bible reading. Uh-huh. That's what, oh, so I asked him, because, you know, I played for Coach Bowden, who was legit, and pre- he was more of a preacher than a coach. So I was like, oh, it's like, you got your Bible there. It's like, yeah, I'm reading it this morning. Like, yeah, it was right there. And it just happens to be the place where he meets with the parents. It was very much a calculated placement. And I was just like, Oh, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. <laughs> and then that was before he texted him. He was leaving. And before he's been, you know, kind of ousted everywhere he's been, I was like, Oh, it makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Is, uh, it, it, it didn't fly. It, no. didn't, it
2: did not stick. It did not last very long. Uh, all right, let's see. This question comes from Jason, uh, with your coach's draft. If Todd Monken was still at Georgia, Would you have taken him over any of your O.C. choices?
3: Not mine. I would have had him for consideration. Mm -hmm. But if you remember the red flag thing that we talked about when we did him was like a coordinator with a new quarterback, like the uncertainty at quarterback would have me concerned.
2: I I would, and it was from a takeaway that Kirby was – I mean, Kirby was promoting his guy, but he was like the work that – Todd has done with Stetson is incredible. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, we run an NFL offense and like we Stetson's growth in terms of being able to handle it, understand it, being able to c- convey the information, communication, all those things. That, that's I would not take, how about this? If Todd Monken was still around, I would not have taken him over Brian Hartline, who I took in the second round, but I would have taken him over Alex Atkins from Florida yeah. State.
1: Yeah, I I would have had him on my board. I wouldn't have taken him over Garrett Riley, who I took. The only rule I had, though, going into that draft was I I love Andy Ludwig, but I didn't have him on my board this year because I'd taken him each of the last two years. So it's just like, I'm not going to take him for a third straight year as my OC. I want to freshen it up a little bit. That was really the the only rule I had on my board.
2: Yeah. Um, Okay, let's go. What's some of the best coaches' quotes or rants that we've had over the years? Uh, quote, and this is from Will, born on third base, uh, I'm a man, I'm 40, are ones that come to mind. Love the pod, R.I.P. Barton, roll tide.
1: It's not really what you're looking for but there has never been an angry I from Nick Saban that just hasn't hit me right in the heart like that I just love every single time like when he gets mad and he's saying that every third word I absolutely I just it 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 takes me over the edge I adore it
2: and you come in here I right? and you're not listening to me I right? yeah that's a good
1: one
3: uh was it John L Smith who had the smile when he was Get remember your that? Piss hot he was like, yeah. John
1: L. Smith, get your
3: piss hot. That's one of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was one. Um, what was the Dan Hawkins one when he was at Colorado? Mm. It's not intramurals out there. Yeah, it mm-hmm. ain't intramural, foot, brother. <laughs> like, oh, <yeah>. <laughs> a brother. Like, he had a very heel WWE Hulk Hogan. Come on, yeah. brother.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's pre- pretty, uh, pretty solid right there. Um,
3: the Roy bus is good.
2: Oh, Dabo.
3: Yeah. yeah a um, little old Clemson. That was like a mantra all season, too, that he kind of used as. Mm-hmm. I just, I really think everything changed
2: for Dabo when he actually had to do the pizza party. I think the first time he said that, he didn't think about what the follow through was going to look like. He just thought it would be something like funny to say to win the moment. He's like, I mean, I'll tell you what, if we win the, you know, we get to the college football playoff, win the, we win the ACC. I, I'm a, I'll tell you what, I'll host a pizza party in Death Valley, okay? I'll host a pizza party. <laughs> then all of a sudden it's like, oh no, we just won the ACC. We're making the college football playoff. It's the number one seed. Gotta host, gotta you got to host, you got to
3: order pizzas. You know what's got You know what's got to be on there, but I don't know if it gets enough appreciation was Kirby Smart's pregame speech against TCU when the whole thing was like released and he's just MFing everybody yeah. and everybody <laughs> was ready to run through a wall for him. <laughs> that was pretty epic. Yeah. And I know, and then the Tebow speech. Like they put the Tebow speech on a plaque. Yeah. They should definitely put that speech on a plaque and happen <laughs> outside the stadiums. What would be hilarious is all the bleeps. Like, do they go first letter underline, like just and then just have the blanks, or do they put like the symbols? No in there stars. No, no,
2: no. You can't put the symbols in there.
3: <laughs>
1: Ed reads. I'm hurt, dog.
3: Yeah. Oh yeah. That's an epic one. Um mm-hmm. Bo
2: Davis the we referenced the uh, the the leaked yeah. leaked tape on the uh, on the bus. Um Dougie in the chat says the Lane Kiffin, get your popcorn ready and toss.
3: Whoops. The- <laughs> <laughs> out there timer <laughs> That might be top three. (laughs) I mean, have y'all seen that he's talked about it since then,
2: and he gets on the headset and he, like, says something to Jeff Lebby, who was his offensive coordinator at the time. He's like, hey, I I hope this goes well. I, like, I think I just, like, he seemed to know instantly
3: what he had done. And, of course, they went down 28 to nothing. What was the uh, one, um, what did Saban do to Maria Taylor at halftime? I'm
1: not gonna tell you, so quit asking. Yeah. <laughs> that was
3: that was a good that was a good saving rant right there. And poor Maria Taylor's just standing there like, wait, I'm just trying I'm to do my just, job. I'm
1: just doing my job here, Jesus. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I ain't gonna tell you. So quit
1: asking, quit asking.
2: <laughs> There was probably some heights in there. There was oh, definitely an no really, height in
1: there. Uh, uh, anytime a coach says they aren't leaving two days before they leave, that always hits.
2: Lincoln, that's the most recent Hall of Fame. Listen, okay, listen. I am not going to LSU. Okay, you guys are being irresponsible. <laughs> See you guys never. Bye. <laughs> uh-huh. So good. Um, all right, let's let's go.
3: Oklahoma fans wanted him gone anyway. Oh yeah, for yeah, sure. Of course, killing the program.
2: hundred percent, dragging them down. Um. All right. This question comes from Kyle. Who is the worst quarterback that you'd consider national championship caliber?
3: So who's Carson the worst? Beck?
4: Ooh,
2: because
3: we haven't seen him. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Chip, you said before the show, we discussed this, you said Jalen Milrow. I think that's a really solid answer because I, I think this is really just like a, Who's a great team that doesn't have a five-star stud QB? (laughs) And that's really what it is. Because it's you need to
2: Carson Beck and Milrow were both four stars coming out of high school.
3: That was Drew Pine. Hmm.
2: Well, Arizona State's not winning the national. Oh, what I'm
3: talking about, the wrong uh wrong guy. (laughs) Oh, Tyler Buckner. Tyler Buckner, that's what I was thinking. Here's here's another kind of like
1: pivot on this question. Cam Newton won a national title on a team that didn't have any other really NFL players on the offense. Is that still possible today? Is there a quarterback you think who could be good enough to lead a team that's not full of a bunch of five star players to a national title in this era?
3: Drake, if I didn't see the last last three games, I'd have been all in on this answer. But he did come back to Earth a little bit in the last three games, maybe four. But I think he is that he was that special up to that point. Was that they also might have NFL talent, too, though. They they might. I mean, Josh Downs was drafted. Yeah, I I think that, like, it's become so
1: consolidated, the five star kind of talent that. I don't know. I just don't I don't think that 2010 Auburn team can happen again.
2: Yeah. And USC, I would say Caleb Williams is that much of an individual talent. But even at USC, which has other NFL players, they still fell short. Mm hmm. Um, all right, let's go uh, one more. This one has been, uh, has been marinating for nearly a month. Uh, <laughs> well, we're we finally to getting, getting to it. You'll, you'll find out why. Uh, for, it's from Swerbs 21. Uh, first off, I love the pod. Makes me seem smarter when I'm with my friends and I can blow their minds that Wake Forest, North Carolina was not an ACC conference game. Uh, anyway, uh Sicko pick here. Uh, Sorry, Bud's not here. Sorry about that, Swerbs. I always do predictions for every Power Five and Group of Five program. I noticed the win total for New Mexico State was five and a half at Caesars. Their schedule starts with UMass, WIU, at Liberty, at New Mexico, at Hawaii, and FIU. That's a combined record in 2022 of 18 and 44 across those opponents. They also play 13 games instead of 12 and have the FBS newcomers of Jacksonville state and Sam Houston, both at home is the market short or am I missing something is new Mexico state over five and a half the lock of the year.
3: That is a great question. That is my favorite question ever. What great
1: research too. I mean, let's see, let's go through this game by game. UMass, Win, win,
2: we're on record with like being pro Jerry Kill here and like yeah. pro um, New Mexico State upward trajectory.
1: Western Illinois, probably a win. So we've got yeah. two at Liberty. I'm not going to give Lost. it to us at New Mexico. I'm going to say when I I'm saw it win. last year. <laughs> I'm going to say when <laughs> I mean, yeah, they could win it, but I'm, I think that's no, yeah. Going Danny for. texted us, right? Weren't yeah. you oh, yeah. all in the New Mexico yeah. game and you're like, Guys. <laughs> Nice, Guys. <laughs> at hawaii you could win that but that's a tough trip yeah at home against fiu should be a win at home against sam houston should be a win but sam houston might be better than you're giving it credit for just because it's new at utep i'm gonna give that a loss at la tech a loss loss middle tennessee at home coin flip at western kentucky loss at auburn loss home against jacksonville state probably a win so I wouldn't say they it's really the lock one. of the century, but I definitely see a path. Yes,
3: they do have 13 games. That's a great. Mm-hmm. find. Yeah. When they you don't play at Hawaii, doing... you get the extra game. Huh. It's huge. Yeah. Not
1: only do you get a trip to Hawaii. Wind totals,
2: that's the new uh, covered three win total yeah. principle. Find yep. the teams with 13 games. We're going over. <laughs> Ignore that the bookmakers probably have factored it into their math.
3: <laughs> gonna, you know, like, they're not that smart we are smart.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we found it we found the loophole in the system uh, th- our thanks to all of you and Swerps. I'm glad we got to answer your question as well if you have questions that have been in there I just I want to let you know we are able to continue to pull them up but feel free to hit us up and send us reminders so that we can go and find them along the way and you can follow him on Twitter at Tom Pennell you can follow him at Danny Cannell you can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson
1: Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you.